Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. My next guest, well, we talked about pillar talk and you'll have to listen to the end to find out what's that all about. But he helps early startups, tech companies, and talks about how his 25 plus years experience accounts for more than strategy and tactics. There's an awful lot of people that are talking about strategy and tactics, but actually founders and senior leaders need to know in early startups what they can do now. So we talked about what's the one most important thing to do to really gain traction, which is what early startups really need the most. My next guest helps leaders build and scale inside sales teams in the US at early stage tech companies. He's the former senior vice president of sales at ZipRecruiter, where he led over 550 inside and enterprise salespeople. He's a recognized inside sales expert and hands-on technology sales leader with over 25 plus years track record of growing early stage on multi-million dollar businesses. Helped grow three businesses into Inc. 500, Deloitte Fast 500 companies. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Kevin Gaither. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me, Janice. I'm excited to be on the show. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you. We've both been on a podcast together, so we know what goes on here. <laughs> you know, the conversation with us can go anywhere. But the audience better hold on to their hats. This is going to be fun. So first, I want to explore with you your building and scaling sales teams in early stage tech. Why is this so important to you? What are the things that early stage techs really need to look out for, the things that they're not doing well enough? Yeah. So let me just start with like my three word revolution, Janice. Experience, not opinions. <laughs> you, you see it out there. Everyone's got their opinions on how to do this and their opinions on how to do this. And, you know, LinkedIn is filled with people that have 50,000 followers, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, Janice, the reality is, is that I've been in early stage startups building inside sales teams in the United States since 1994. Wow. That makes me old. But it also makes me experienced. I, I, I have made more mistakes in the last, you know, 28 years than, uh, than people can imagine. And those mistakes and the learning lessons that come from that allow me to go to these CEOs, founders, and heads of sales of these early stage tech companies and help them avoid all the mistakes. They have their opinions on how they should do something. And I focus on the mistakes because... A lot of these founders, my clients, they are the, they they come to me and they say, 
I want to scale my sales team. I either have zero, I have one, I have five, and I want to scale my sales team, but I want to do it right. And doing it right means avoiding all the things that were done wrong. And I, and I can tell you for every right way to do it, I can tell you 10 ways. And at the end of the day, Janice, I love helping people out. Always be helping is my mantra. I've made a fortune, a literal fortune, helping people out with no expectation of anything in return. And it has led me to great places that has allowed me to, to live the lifestyle that I currently lead. And I want to give back. And so I work with these, all I know is early stage startups building and scaling inside sales teams in the in the United States. So that's why I'm so passionate about it because it's all I've known and it's all I've done. And when you see, and you see this Janice in your own work, when you're working with a client and you can see that light bulb go on over their head, that is, and they get it and they take action and they improve their, their business because of the things that I've guided them to do, Janice, that is an amazing feeling. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know that oh, feeling like I, when I, they, I, they've got I that light bulb? Yeah, yeah. You can even, you know, doing keynotes and in the audience, you can see it happening around the audience as well. When people, you say a collection of words, a phrase, and they think, oh my gosh. And sometimes in testimonials, someone said, oh, when you said this, I thought, oh gosh, I do that. <laughs> I need to stop. <laughs> and uh, I know why. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah no, it. absolutely. There's there's so many advisors out there, Janice, that that you know that are like, they just talk big and it's big, fluffy, high level, you know, some would call that, you know, strategic. But when it comes down to it, like there's some blocking and tackling, like basic stuff that people need to do. And that's where that experience comes in. You've got it. You know, you've got it. You've tried 10 ways. You've tried 10 ways and one way worked. And, and that may be a tactic. And those are important. That's what these leaders at early stage startups, they, they want to know that nitty gritty, like today, how do I make things better today? Not this high level, you got to provide value for your customers and make sure you've got your aligned buyer messaging and like, yeah, but how? And, and, that, and I think that's where the rubber hits the road with people like you and me. We, we help them with not only the strategic guidance, the big picture stuff, but then like the real actionable stuff you can do today to make your life better. I really like the idea of what's the one most important thing I can do that can create the biggest impact. And just I just want you to do that one thing and right. I want you to do it consistently to get a result and don't worry about all of the chatter, all the other stuff that's going on. And often that's the thing that stops people from taking action because there's so many options. There's so much chatter. There's so many people that's telling and they're looking for all this information. They go to all these experts and they watch all the webinars and videos and read the books. And there's so much contradictory information that they yeah. do nothing. They stay in the same place really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I I hear you. One of my clients this week, she she said, we have a hypothesis that these types of leads are going to have higher conversion rates. And so we want to take all of these leads and hand them to one salesperson and see and see if it's better. And I said, I've done that before and I've made that mistake. Here's the one thing that I've learned that I want you to do in that particular scenario. 
hold out 10% of those leads. Don't give all of those leads. Hold out 10% of those leads and give them to the rest of your sales team so that you've got an A versus a B to compare to, to know whether or not it quote unquote worked or not. Janice, do you know how I learned that lesson? Because I screwed that up six ways to Sunday, 10 times over and, and did something like that. And then looked back on it and went, did that work or not? I don't know. Did they hit their quota? Did they not hit their quota? Was it better? Did, was there bigger deals? Was there higher conversion rates? I have nothing to compare it to because, and it's like the one thing, Janice, I've actually lost clients who have specifically told me we had so much to do after getting off of calls with you, it was choking. And so we're going to, we're going to suspend, suspend working with you until we digest everything that you've told me to do. And that has come up a couple of times. And so as a result, I then focus on just like you said, one thing I don't, you know, we've talked about 10 things on this call. Here's the one thing is your homework assignment, you know, Mr. Ms. Client that I want you to work on today, all this other stuff, forget about it. This one's going to be the most impactful. So I totally agree with you, Janice. What is the one thing we can work on today? Yeah. And that's that it is, it is critical to prioritize like that. And then the other thing that I say, and I'm sure this resonates with, with you is that we know that sales leaders, sales operations are already very focused on themselves. They have a sales process and they want to funnel people through this process, right? organizations make decisions based on what their remit is because they don't know anything else. So that's how they kind of base their decision-making. What I say is, unless you know the outcome on your key customer, sweet spot, your ideal customer, unless you know the impact on them, why are you making that decision? Why are you doing that? Because it forces them to make good decisions based on what's going to have an, a, an impact on their customer. And if they don't know that, if they haven't got the quantitative and qualitative information, they shouldn't be making that decision. Oh, my word. I felt I had another client coaching call yesterday. And, and keep in mind, like they hire me. And the way I view this is, I'm here to tell you the truth. So I'm not going to pull punches and be nice if I if I don't need to be. You don't pay and, me to be nice. <laughs> no, you don't pay, you know, yes, and maybe I offend you and maybe you cut me off, but I'm at least going to tell you the truth. Um, I asked my, uh, my client, why do your customers buy your product? And the response was, they really like the ease of use of this feature, this feature, this feature. It's really easy for them to do that, that, that. And I said, okay, what else? No, that's it. That's the, that's the reason. And I went, oh my gosh. And this is where I, I was like, uh-oh, did I screw up? I said, you know what? I'm actually really disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in you because you didn't take that one step further. You didn't ask. It's easy to use this feature, but how does that affect your business? How does that affect your personal life, you know, what, what does that mean to you? Does, is it, is it revenue gained? Is it billings gained? Is it cost savings? And it, it was sort of like one of those like thought bubbles that I wish I could have gotten back. Cause I said, I, cause I use the words, I'm disappointed in you, but the whole point the the whole central premise of this conversation, Janice was they were asking me, how can we close deals faster? How can we close deals faster? 
And so I went all the way back to, well, do you understand the impact, like the real financial and personal impact of your product on your buyer? And they didn't know the answer to that. Well, how in the world are you going to close deals faster if you don't understand that? So I'm yes anding you with a yeah. real story that literally happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And all they needed to do was ask the question. And not only does that open up the possibilities of, oh, so it's this bit of the product that is really making the difference and that is measurable. I wonder if that's the same for this customer. Can we do more of this enhancement to make a bigger impact and save more money to get more customers for that customer? All they needed to do is ask the question. They have 3,000 customers. You want to know why I said I was disappointed? <laughs> you have 3,000 people to call to ask what the impact is, the real financial impact, personal you know, impact of, the, of, of, your, of your product, um, and, and, you, and you haven't done it. And, and I'm like, so this, these tactics, and he was looking for tactics at the end of the sale. How do we, how do we write contracts in a way that like get them to sign up now when the budgeting process is here? And I'm like, you're losing it way before you're, way, you're losing it earlier in the sales process. These are literally just tactics. These are just like discounts and promos, you know, in your, in your, in um, special terms and conditions but you can close more sales faster when you truly understand the uh, truly understand what the real impact and and I place that on uh, the sales lead at early stage startups. It's on the sales lead. If you have an operations person, I also put it on the product person. Mm -hmm. I put it on the product person because at the end of the day, sales works for product. Oops, did I just say that? No, of course they don't work for product. Mm -hmm. I sell what product gives me. Mm -hmm. I sell what product gives me, okay? Product should be doing their research and building the product to understand what those impacts are. And, and even at early stage startups, somebody's building the product. Somebody has a hypothesis as to why they build the product and it can't be just feature driven. Um, and so, you know, I'm old, I, I'm intolerant. <laughs> I'm disappointed when you know, we don't know these yeah, things. You can't see my gray hair, you know, kind of like <laughs> Henna does a one. Can't see my talk. gray hair either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when you were talking, I was thinking about all of these examples. I worked in customer experience 15 years ago. And I remember setting up these um, experience teams uh, and I won't tell you what the company was. And so we got them to sit with their, their customer and uh, set a journey for the customer and the, whether it's marketing or sales, whether it's product development, tech, whatever, that each of them sat with the customer and they couldn't, they had to just watch. And the customer always found the shortcut. They found a way to get there a lot quicker. And the technical person was really had to bite their tongue and not say, no, that's not the way to do it. And what they learned was customers always find the fastest route, the most efficient way, the best way of doing things. They they find a product, they found things to do with a product that you hadn't even designed it for that were even better than what you've designed it for. So not staying really close to the customer is absolute madness. The other thing that I thought about, I'm on an accelerator program. And I remember talking to the, the founders and the, the top team about their product. And there's something that they they were struggling with sales in that they were 
really pushing sales. They were really pushing sales and it was a, a tech product. And I and through the discussion, I said, well, if you had this, I gave an example of like a diagnostic tool that um, I can't remember which company, it's like a website grader as an example, website grader. So you put your website and it tells you how you can improve the, the usability and diagnostics of, you know, where are the gaps in your websites to make it improve um, better. If you had something like that for your product, where it was free to use, I mean, this is, there's a great tech team. It wouldn't cost them anything, really, just a bit of time to create uh, something like this product. Then your customer raises their hands because they've got something, they've demoed something that's free, that's helpful, and it feeds very well into your product so that they can say, okay, I can see these gaps. Your solution helps me close the gaps. So I said, what, you know, this, I think this would really be a game changer for you. So, you know, in our next session, go away, develop this thing, come back. They were really excited. So, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Customers coming to us instead of us pushing it. When they came back to me, and this will not surprise you, Kevin, they came back to me and they said, oh, we decided not to, to do that. What, um, how can we better write uh, copy? for you know this more push more push tactics just yeah. going into tactics rather than the, the thing that would really be a game change to their business and i just thought they've just chucked away millions yeah yeah I, millions. Lo long ago i remember the hubspot website grader and and they and i remember thinking about that being my gosh, you know, yeah, I'll give my my email and my my website to have them give me this information, and and that's like creating all this, you know, this this inbound, uh, you know, interest. I was very blessed, of course, to be at ZipRecruiter uh, for such a long time, spending as much as they did on on marketing to generate free trials, and it was you know sort of try my product, um, which by the way. Still, conversion rates were exceptional, but not nearly as great as you would think they they would be. But just an amazing, an amazing business, an amazing example of like, look, they'll come to you. <laughs> let them let them come to you. Give them something of value. Give them something of value that helps, like like you said, close that gap. And in that particular instance with Zip, it was, let's just show you how we can help you, as opposed to let's write better copy and tell you, you know. Um, you know, show me, don't tell me, yeah. show, show me, don't show me, don't tell me, um, uh, the, there was a sales leader that I respect tremendously. His name is Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks is, is unfortunately now dead and yeah. he's on the East coast or was on the East coast of the Brooks group. And he used to say, customers expect salespeople to talk highly about their, about their product, but they're impressed when other people talk about it. And, and uh, when you allow the customer to experience the product for themselves, and I, and I thought it's so simple, but so, so genius, right? So your example there, hundred percent, but you know, let's, let's write better copy, <laughs> you know, put, the, put the burden on marketing, put the burden on marketing, put the burden, burden on sales. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, you know, that's not a one team approach. That's not a, that's not a, we're in it all together approach. Yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about experience, let's the customer experience. And, you know, I really are 
I'm troubled by how little buyer experience is talked about. I talk about it a lot. We know about customer experience and salespeople think, well, that's when they're already a customer, not realizing that the buyer, the customer gains all of their opinion of how this relationship will go when they are a buyer based upon the experience they had of buying. So the most important experience is the buyer experience that actually no salespeople are really interested in, not realizing that experience trumps price or product, and they're really bedded into price and product. So your what's your view on the experience that you create and almost the importance of designing that in as part of your process, everything you do, how you're delivering a great experience to, to that buyer. Yeah, a couple of learning lessons here. First of all, here's your tagline. You know, the best uh, sales process mirrors the buying process. And of course, you can't figure that out unless you're talking to, to your buyers and helping them understand like, and literally like, you know, hey, you, you know, your first customer that comes through, your first 10 customers, and you're asking them, so tell me how you went through this process. Tell me what you were looking at. Did you go to other places? How did you know that we were the right fit? What, you know, what, what were there things that the salesperson, you know, said? Um, uh, so that's number one, the best sales process mirrors the best buying, buying process. Um, two, there's an old adage in sales, Sales is all about relationships. And I think that's hooey. <laughs> I think, I'm trying not to use foul language. I think that is a load of baloney um, because people, miss, salespeople in particular, misinterpret that as, hey, Janice, how's the UK out there? Hey, Janice, you know, how's, you know, how's the weather out there, you know, and, 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 you know, how the Cubs doing, you know, or how's that soccer team or football? And I'm thinking I've got another meeting to get to. Correct. <laughs> the salesperson believes that, oh, it, the buyer experience is all about me being friends with you, mm. me being, and, and in fact, the relationship stems from trust. And I say, is it better to be, you know, respected than it is to be liked? And every person that I talk to goes, oh, I'd rather be respected than liked. I'd rather be respected than liked. So in this buyer journey, the buyers are going to buy from people that they trust and like. They're not just going to buy from people that they like, not just going to buy from people that, I really like you, Janice, but if you don't demonstrate how you're going to solve my problem and give me a 5X return on the software that I'm buying from you, you're not this trusted advisor. I, you know, the relationship, the friendly relationship, you know, taking you to the Lakers game, you know, that can stem from a relationship that is based in, in trust and respect, you know, to begin with. And third, um, third, I think I said that I had two things to say to this, but actually I have three. What I've learned is that nobody goes to school to buy. Nobody goes to school to become a buyer. And so it's incumbent upon the company and the sales leadership and the operations team to understand that buying, buying process and design the sales process to guide the buyer through the typical buying process. At this point, Mr. Ms. Customer, 
what our what our most successful customers typically do is they get IT involved so that we can determine if there's you know the SOC two compliance there. They they usually want to know how this this integrates. Oh, that's really a thank you for that. I appreciate that. I hadn't thought of that. You know, um, typically our customers get legal involved at this point in time. I'm sure you do too, right? So I would recommend that that we you know get connected with somebody on your legal team. You know, they the, they know our sellers, our operations team designs a process so that I can get to the end of a stage in my sales process and use the two most powerful words. I recommend our next, I recommend our next steps be X, X, Y, and Z based on how our customers typically buy our, typically buy our, our product. What do you, what do you think? Um, Cause no one goes to school to buy. <laughs> Even procurement people don't go to procurement school. They just, they, they, they go into, you know, maybe there's certifications, but does that, does that resonate, you know, with you? The best, best sales process mirrors the buying process. It's better to be respected than it is to be liked. And it's better, best to develop a, a, a sales process that guides the buyer through the, uh, through the, the typical buying process and making recommendations on what steps that they should take. Cause most people buy software infrequently in their lives. So they yeah. need to know, they, you know, they need to be guided yeah. uh, through a respectful process. I, I mean, that resonates with me being, you know, their guide um, to where they want to go and what they want to do. And, you know, they all you're doing is managing the process so that, and helping them to avoid the pitfalls and un, helping them to understand the cost and the benefits and the impacts and the outcomes and all of those things, but it's very much their path. So I'm particularly interested in the demotion path that you talk about. Yeah. Look, <laughs> uh, no one ever said I should be in sales. Just, just, just so you know, Janice. So growing up, it scared the heck out of me. No one ever said you have the gift of gab. And as a matter of fact, I went to school originally at UC Davis with a degree in aerospace engineering. I wanted to build rocket ships, literally, okay? <laughs> Good at math, systems thinking, process thinking. Um, and uh, and that has actually served me well as I got into sales and sales leadership, and that is creating systems. I want to create a system that self-optimizes, basically. And I'm using you know my hands up and down for the, those that are on video and, or in, in audio listening. I'm using my hands going up and down, and up and down meaning um, people are going to rise up. So your salespeople are going to rise up throughout your sales team and you want to create a promotion path. Everybody talks about that, of course, but I also want to create a demotion path. Anybody and everybody knows what the Peter principle is. The Peter principle is people get promoted to their highest level of incompetence. Okay. They're over the tips of their skis, whatever phrase you want to use, they get promoted to a level where it's like, Ooh, I'm not sure I can do this. Okay. Um, and instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, which is what many companies do, you get, they get promoted, then they don't hit their goals. And then they go, well, you didn't hit your goals. You're fired. I like to create a self-optimizing system so that people get promoted up, of course, and everybody wants that. But then I'm also going to create a demotion system so that if somebody is at a, got promoted and they're at a higher level and they don't perform up to minimum expectations, they actually move back down a rung. When I first implemented this, my sales managers nearly beat me with a, with a bag of soap because 
they they were like, who in the world is going to stick around at our company when we demote them? Who's going to do that? Who's going to stay? I mean, the emotional, the ego, the these are salespeople we're talking about. Who is going to stick around? I've done this for 10 years, and there's only two salespeople, two, where the hit to their ego was so bad by being demoted that they left. You know why? Because this is like, uh, if anybody is reading books, old books, it's like throwing the rabbit into the briar patch. They, they are, when they get demoted from a role, they're not doing very well. The quota was too high. The accounts were too strategic, what, whatever that may be. They get demoted into the prior level. What do we know about their success level in the prior level? They crushed it. They were high performers in that lower level. So basically, you put them back into a place where they know they can crush it. And so it's it's odd in that uh, we think not odd. It's predictable that we think about how salespeople just wouldn't be able to handle a demotion like that. But from my experience in building these systems, they it retains them. It retains them. But and now I'm not saying, and tactically, now tactically, when you get promoted, you get a bigger base salary, you get a bigger uh, commission package, okay? Your OTE goes up. Your quota goes up in lockstep with that as well. And in theory, I'm giving you better leads or better accounts to work, okay? So it all works in lockstep here, okay? When you get demoted, Janice, you get a lower quota, you get leads and accounts that aren't as good and you get a lower base salary and you get a lower commission plan. So it all works in lockstep. Mm. Only two people in my entire career of doing this um, have left because the ego hit was, was too, uh, was too bad. And so now you have a sales team that self-optimizes yeah. in, into where they can be most, uh, most successful. Um, and that's uh, and, th- and that is uh, one of, one of the keys to my to my success that I learned. Do you know you don't always know you're not going to enjoy something until you're actually doing it. <laughs> so you need to have that experience. And I remember when I I ran this uh, company and I had about uh, twenty employees, and uh, you know it, we were killing it, but I was miserable, <laughs> and that's what I thought I wanted. Um, you know, I felt that I was just working for the tax man, P-A-Y-A-E-C, um, all of these, you know, kind of things that I had to do and, you know, the, all of the tasks that was on my plate, I lost my creativity. Mm. And even though I was doing really well, I personally didn't enjoy it. And so I wouldn't have known that had I not had that experience that this wasn't right for me. So, you know, I absolutely get that to be able to move back in something, some area where, you know, you're really enjoying it. You're crushing it. You know what to do. um, You love those challenges. Sometimes you just need to experience it. A thousand, a thousand percent. I think I'm missing one particular key to this promotion and demotion path, by the way, 100 percent objective. 
It's 100. It's not, hey, what do I need to do to get promoted? And then your boss comes up with something subjective or, or, or personalized just for you. It is a published system that you can go into your CRM and you can look at your knowledge articles. You could say, ah, I'm in this role. How do I get promoted? And in fact, we would publish what the highest level got paid, mm. what the highest level got paid. And there was like seven levels to this promotion demotion path that we had, by the way, in this one particular team, there were seven levels. Dennis, we would publish what you could make in this highest level, which was an ungodly amount of money for an inside sales team. Um, and the, the whole company could see it too. And we were, we were proud to, to publish that and to say, Everybody has the opportunity to get there. You're all going to get the same training. You're all going to get the same coaching. You're all going to get the same tools. You're all, at each level. You're going to get the same quality of leads and the same quantity of leads. And we wanted to make sure that that baseline, you know, it was all objective and all fair and a level playing field for everybody. Managers actually couldn't give promotions. The sales rep would have to come to them and say, here's my performance. Here's what I did can you submit me for a promotion? And, and, and that was a different incentive. So now there wasn't favoritism that was built into this, you know, obviously if there was behavioral issues, you know, drugs, alcohol, you know, other abuses, obviously that would trump it all. But an objective path where people know that how they move up and an objective path, how they move down. If anybody believes in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Creating that promotion and demotion path creates that level of security at the bottom of that pyramid that allows people to go, now I know it's not a mystery. I know how I get moved up and I know I have how I get demoted or fired. Great. And that actually provides a level of security upon which they can build a base and perform at their highest levels. I love that. I love the demotion path and it's all open and explicitly um, laid out. So, yeah, I think that's uh, very fair. Very fair. All right. I'm going to ask you, uh, if you're on a desert island on your own, Kevin, what or who would you take with you and why? Well, I would take my wife. Uh, she's she's amazing. Uh, and she's, you know, I always say she's the smarter of the two of us. Uh and, uh, and, and I, and I, I love her. I love her to death, but she's a good yin to my gang. Like she doesn't put up with my shit, excuse my language, you know, um, and keep, you know, keeps me in check and, uh, and is a, is a, is a great sounding board. Um, I, I think I would also bring my pillow. If you've done as much business travel as I have done, there is nothing that separates my nice Casper pillow from all those darn hotel pillows. Now you're trying to stack two together and, and then you put your head in and it covers up your whole head. And just that frustration. I think if I was on a, you know, on a desert island, I'd bring my wife and uh, and I'd bring uh, and I and I'd bring my uh, my pillow. But uh, but some people also would say, well, if you were to bring, you know, one movie, one DVD or something like that, you know, with you, I think it's perfectly appropriate for your listeners to know know my style. I'd bring the movie Dumb and Dumber because <laughs> <laughs> that's sometimes how I feel. So I would I would I would bring the movie right. Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Kevin, I said one thing and you're going right, into three. Now but the thing is I didn't really want to challenge you because just in case your wife is listening to this that it's a choice between the wife and the pillow. You know, oh. so I'm not going to let you choose. I'm just going to leave it out there. So I don't want to get you into trouble. 
our 22nd wedding anniversary is September 30th. Uh, uh, and this, you want to make it. I want to get there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for punting on that question. <laughs> Brilliant. So how can listeners get hold of you, Kevin? Thank you for asking, and thank you for having on me on the show. I uh, can be found very actively on um, on LinkedIn. Um, I think it's actually just uh, you know, simply Kevin Gaither, you know, LinkedIn forward slash Kevin Gaither or something like that. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter, and the, my handle is Kevin S. Gaither, S is in Sam, but I'm everywhere. You can find me on Instagram and on Facebook and TikTok and uh, uh, gosh, what am I missing? YouTube, but mostly you can find me on uh, on Twitter, Kevin S. Gaither, as well as LinkedIn with the username of, of Kevin Gaither. You'll see my beautiful mug everywhere. <laughs> well, we'll put that all in the show notes. So thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast. It's been a, a real enlightening education and I've enjoyed it. It's always so much fun talking to you, Kevin. Likewise. Thanks for having me. This is great. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.